Good morning. Happy Sunday, everyone. Let's get going with our count line, countdown to weightless in mind, body, and spirit. I'm excited this morning. Well, happy Sunday again, and welcome to Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn, where we have the opportunity to discuss what it means to be weightless in mind, body, and spirit. Now, I am doubly board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine, so of course, I look at the science behind um, understanding our metabolic cells, about the finely tuned mechanisms for weight gain, weight loss, and energy metabolism. I also look at what it means to be spiritually, emotionally, psychologically weightless in mind, body, and spirit. And often we combine the two in this show. So today we're literally going to do just that. I have my super friend, superstar friend, Dr. Kathy Farah here with us this morning. You all know Dr. Kathy. You've met her here on many episodes. She has so much to say, so much to contribute. But let me remind you all, first and foremost, of who she is. She is an integrative physician, also board certified in family medicine, also a board certified in integrative medicine. She and I both are certified in mind-body medicine, and we both have faculty positions with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, and she is the newly appointed team of associate clinical directors. So she is just really expanding her horizons. Together, we've been on a journey where we have been talking about unpacking racism, and we have stepped into the diversity, equity, and inclusion milieu. We've been presenting at conferences. We have been offering a course. I actually wrote a course almost a year ago now, and Dr. Kathy has become a steadfast accomplice and contributor as we have done this work together. So, Without further ado, I'm going to bring on my esteemed colleague, who I believe has over 30 years in the field of medicine. She is my friend, my mentor. She has been, um, my goodness, I was her intern when I was going through my certification process with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. So let's bring her on. Let's uh, say good morning and let's see who's joining us today. Hey, Dr. Thank you for that amazing introduction. And uh, those of you who may not be my kind of age, or I should say our kind of age, when you say over 30 years, it's basically you really don't want to count up the years, or at least that's it in my case. um, But we need all of us. Uh, And so, Carol, thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, 
for those of you who don't know, I'm in my home in Wisconsin, so I'm a little ways away, but the, by virtue of this amazing virtual world, um, I can be with you today. I know this is, it really is amazing what we've been able to do in the past year that without the facilitation of the virtual synchronous world, it just, it just wouldn't have happened. So the technology is really quite remarkable for what it has allowed us to do and hopefully the impact it is allowing us to have. So let's see who's joining us this morning because you know, we have such an enthusiastic crowd. Oh, so here we go. Good morning, Patrick, and welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Victoria. Welcome. Victoria is one of the nation's preeminent occupational therapists. We love occupational therapy. And Patrick is part of um, the Eskenazi Who's Your Heartlands CMBM just changing that part of the country. And I know Patrick has recently started leading his own mind body medicine group. So we're really, really proud of Patrick for his leadership. Welcome Sharon, hashtag meditation nation. Sharon, I believe has also taken our initial uh, PTP training program. Good morning, Michelle and welcome. Good morning, Raffaella. Whole Health Medicine Institute is in the house all the way from Germany. We really appreciate your, your participation. So I guess it's, it's kind of late afternoon, early evening. So I'm glad we're on early enough so you could be on. Good morning and welcome. Looking radiant. Oh, thank you so much. I'm feeling radiant. I'm I'm feeling encouraged and uplifted. I've been attending a conference in Georgia, in Atlanta, of all places, my beloved medical mogul community uh, conferences this weekend. And I was so honored to be one of the speakers. So yes, good morning, fellow early birds. Uh, applauding Dr. Kathy. Good <laughs> and welcome Claudia so glad that you were able to join us good morning Christina and welcome so happy that you're able to join us oh, Sharon completed the advanced training in November yes yeah, so we are, wow what an, what an amazing group and good morning DM New Jersey ears open for kernels of wisdom excellent Excellent. I'm well, you know, I'm all, I'm already happy. You know, what a great audience. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is really, I don't know about you, Dr. Kathy, but it, it is so heartwarming to me to have people take time out of their lives to be in a conversation with us. Oh, I really appreciate it too. And I always learn so much from everyone that comes on this program and all the programs we've offered. So, oh, so Raffaella, love to see and listen to both of you wonderful women. And we love to see and listen to you as well, as well. So, you know, really spectacular and special. So one of the things I wanted to, to do, I wanted to take advantage of the fact that, you know, both of us as women in medicine, I like to call us, medicine women mm -hmm. are, are concerned about, you know, 
I don't know, we've, you know, not just writing prescriptions and, and giving out pharmaceuticals and saying here, done. We both like to take time with patients. We have both invested time and energy into training ourselves so we could do more and be more uh, with and for our patients. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about, particularly going into the spring, we're changing seasons is restoration of gut health. Restoration of gut health. Does that sound something we could jump into for maybe 15 minutes or so this morning, Dr. Kathy? Absolutely. Sounds great. Right. So one of the things I've been studying with the Institute for Functional Medicine, we also have colleagues from the Center for Mind-Body Medicine that are a part of that esteemed community. And they give this wonderful, what they call 5R framework for gut restoration. So now everybody, I want you, this is when you get out your notepads. This is when on Sunday get, morning. Right, even on Sunday morning. And if you have questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. Well, good morning, Emma, and welcome. Hashtag meditation to you as well. So here we go. So let's look at this. 5R framework for gut restoration. Now, remember, this is for educational purposes. We are not diagnosing and we are not treating anything at all. This is a conversation that if you have questions, you take these questions to the practitioners in your community with whom you have a relationship, all right? And you cross your fingers that they know what you're talking about. Yes, yes. Well, that's another conversation. So Patricia is saying, yes, please. Gut health is vital for optimal health. There's no question about it. And, you know, I was recently a, a guest speaker for the Terrain Summit with Dr. Maya Shetreet Klein. And one of the things that we talked about then and what I talked about in um, my show, Meditation in the Time of Madness, is both that inner terrain and that outer terrain and how that, how that ties to our next topic, which is the important topic of community as medicine and integrating this into the community of the self as well as the external community. So one of the things that we want to do, and you might be surprised at these five recommendations. One, remove. We want to remove stressors. We want to get rid of things that negatively affect the environment of the GI tract, including allergic foods, parasites, and potential problematic bacteria or yeast. So that's number one. So, you know, Dr. Kathy, what are your thoughts about what we need to remove? Yeah, you know, I think the very first thing caught my ear and I, it's the remove of stressors. And I even just thought about, um, you know, Carolyn, you and I have had many conversations about this, but even the stressors, or especially for me in my life, uh, the stressors of the trial of Derek Chauvin that's going on. You know, I practice in Minneapolis and in addition to Minnesota, but even you don't, in addition to Wisconsin, but you don't even have to be near the site to, um, you know, my husband's a former police officer. He's listening to a lot of the trials and I've, there's part of me that wants to witness it. And the other part of that knows I need to protect my spirit. So that's part of the stressors that just sort of popped into my head when you mentioned that part, Carol. Absolutely. And what is it? Um, so Patricia is saying, please address leaky gut syndrome. Well, we know one of the causes of leaky gut 
syndrome are the psychological, spiritual, and emotional stressors. So one of the things you do want to eliminate, and yes, this Derek Chauvin murder trial, I've talked to quite a few people who are acknowledging this is a stress point. It certainly is a stress point for me. So I've, I've limited 15 minutes. That's it. 15 minutes. Any more than that. And even that 15 minutes is likely too much, but I do want to get the highlights of what has unfolded during the day. Do you want me to say a little bit about leaky gut at this point? Absolutely. Go ahead, please. So our gut is really our um, place where the external world, what we eat, enters our internal world. So we eat something and we hopefully digest it in a proper way. And I won't get into all of that. But in the lining of the gut, in particular the intestines, the cells are close together. And they're really meant to keep large, to keep proteins out that we don't necessarily need to absorb. What happens if you have inflammation in the gut? And the inflammation could be things like being sensitive to um, a food. It can be like um, a parasite or a bacteria that your gut really isn't supposed to have. It can be, it can be, uh, so at any rate, so that these cells are close together. And then what happens if they're injured in some way, it could have been, again, an infection or taking an antibiotic. Those cells get um, farther apart. So bigger chunks of protein enter the body. And when they enter the body, the body has to decide, is this friend or foe? So in other words, is this chunk of protein something that I need to fight off because it's going to threaten me and kill me, like COVID or something? Or is it something that I can just let pass through? So it starts to recognize something that you might have eaten all your life, for example, and not had a problem. But because that protein was absorbed in a bigger form, your body now reacts to and then has an immune response which sets off a whole nother chain of events. So that's kind of it in a few sentences. Oh, thank you so much. I know, again, these are nuggets. These are pearls. Take these notes and then engage with the practitioners in your community, right? And find out, well, how can we address these? And if you don't can't find anyone in your community, you might go to a website like the Whole Health Medicine Institute or the Institute for Functional Medicine and see who's listed on those websites because these practitioners have taken the time for extra training. So Patricia says, excellent definition, Dr. Kathy. So number two, replace. Number two is replace. Replace digestive secretions. Add backup things like digestive enzymes, hydrochloric acid and bile acids that are required for proper digestion. And that may be compromised by diet, medications, diseases, aging, or other factors. Yeah. So all of those um, medications, for example. So we know things like uh, proton pump inhibitors or um, acid su suppressing medications have been um, really blockbusters and game changers over the years for people who have ulcerative disease. But we also know that as medicine often does, we've swung way to the other side and it's been, um, they have been, I believe, overutilized. And so that it really impacts like how much acid there is in our stomach for our digestion. And so each of these things are really things that are really important to learn about and to consult with other practitioners like Dr. Carol mentioned. And absolutely, digestion starts in the mouth. Right. Chew your 
food, chew. We, most of us swallow. And so, so those really powerful, important digestive enzymes, they, the secretion begins here. So by the time it goes down through the esophagus, gets to the stomach, it's already partially digested and prepared for the next steps that's going to happen in the stomach. And the stomach, it pe- prepares for the next steps that's going to happen in the small intestine, from the small intestine, then onto the large intestine, and then onto elimination. But if we skip the first step, we aren't giving the body a chance to optimize what it needs to optimize to get the most out of what we're consuming and to prepare it for the rest of our body. So important first step. The other thing that you want to do is you want to take care of your dental health. So leaky gut syndrome also begins in the mouth. If you've got periodontal disease, if you've got cavities, these are all ways that things that aren't meant to get into the body, get into the body. So, you know, Dr. Kathy talked, uh, you know, about the gap between the tight junctions um, that line our, the mucosal of our digestive tract. Well, you know, if you've got, think about your gums in the same way. If you've got gaps in your gums, there's not supposed to be gaps there where the gums are supposed to be tight, firm to the teeth. There's not supposed to be bleeding there. So you really, digestion begins in the mouth. You want to treat dental uh, challenges, disorders, and you want to chew your food thoroughly. Good morning, Karen from Pakistan. We're international this morning. All right. So Dr. Kathy, do you recommend probiotics? Yes, I do. And even before I talk about that, I wanted to piggyback on, Carol. It's such a great thing to mention. Just I think sometimes we get in a rush to do exotic testing and such. And if we really go back to the basics, like Carol said, Dr. Carol said, to our food. And even before that, pause and give gratitude for our food because the, the digestion, the cephalic phases, even just looking at the food. So thank you so much for that reminder. I know that I always say, you know, being at the table with six brothers and a sister, um, I really got to eating my food fast and then you go into medicine and just that reminder. So as far as probiotics, yes, I do recommend probiotics, but like anything, I like to just, I like to think about why am I recommending it? So I recommend probiotics in particular, if someone has been on antibiotics, because antibiotics enter our body to say fight off strep throat, for example, but they also knock off all that diverse um, bacteria and microbiome in our gut, and they might leave less desirable yeast and such. So I, li- I do recommend uh, probiotics. Um, I don't necessarily have people on them forever. I like people to understand why they're taking them, just just so they like they would understand why they're taking a prescription medication. I, <clears throat> I could say more. I didn't know if you were into um, so. At any rate. So I like generally refrigerated probiotic, and I like one that has many different bacteria. And I often encourage, you know, one of our messages, diversity, not only diverse um, microbiome, bacteria in our gut. And so if someone's been on the same probiotic for months, I'll say, switch it up, look at the bacteria on it, and then pick another one that's very similar to that. Absolutely. And so very different than that, not similar, very different. Different, yes. So, and Patricia, what are good prebiotic and probiotic foods? Do you want me to take that? 
Sure. So prebiotic basically means um, foods that the bacteria like. Okay. So it's so you want to give them stuff that they can chew on and they can metabolize and such. And um, so prebiotic foods are fiber, for example. Um, they are um, things that take your body some time to digest. I can tell you what they're not. What they're not is sugar-laden processed foods. The sugar-laden processed foods, especially sugar, yeast, which is really not what we want in our gut, they love that. And you might, some people can just tell, they eat a lot of sugar and then they start to have, maybe know that they have a yeast infection or suspect that they might. Probiotic foods, and I love talking about these things because it's really looking as food as medicine. So probiotics foods are foods that actually have natural bacteria in them. So for example, um, like pickled foods, uh, foods that have like sauerkraut, for example, or kimchi, and also things like yogurt, but making sure that part of the yogurt isn't a lot of added sugar. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Be careful for the sugars, the hidden sugars. So when you, particularly if you see O-S-E on the end of something that you might not be able to pronounce, pr pronounce it's a sugar. So there are lots and lots and lots of hidden, hidden sugars for sure. So number three, the prebiotics and the probiotics is actually number three, re-inoculate, re-inoculate. So we want to help the beneficial bacteria flourish by ingesting probiotic foods or supplements that contain the good GI bacteria, such as bifobacteria and lactobacillus species. So you see that that bifido, bifido or lacto, those are good bacteria that we're looking to bring into our body. And by consuming the high soluble fiber foods that good bugs like to eat, those are our prebiotics. Those are our prebiotics. So, you know, many um, prebiotic foods are foods that contain a fiber called inulin, I-N-U-L-I-N. And this is your artichokes, garlic, leeks, onion, chicory, tofu, and other, some other soy products. So, and again, you want to, you know, discuss all of this with an integrative nutritionist. That can be very, very helpful in your, your journey with prebiotics. And, you know, there are some contraindications indications for some on soys. So you want to really look for that. You want to look for that. Um, and then probiotics, miso. Uh, Dr. Kathy mentioned yogurt, but miso is another one. And tempeh are good for the probiotics. And this is, um, they can really help to balance that gut Flora, which is so important. Do you know that the precursor for our neurotransmitters, it's not in, made in the brain, it's made in our gut. So if you're struggling with bloating, weight gain, or even mood disorders, anxiety, depression, it might reflect a gut imbalance. And those precursors for things like dopamine and serotonin and acetylcholine are made in the gut. So this is all a part of that re-inoculation. The gut's a little self-perpetuating too, so that if we are feeling, say, depressed or down in the dumps or just having a bad day, it's much harder for me anyhow, and I suspect for you, 
to go and choose those healthy things. You know, our body tends to crave the high carb, quick uh, action, sugary foods, which help maybe in the short term to boost some of those um, mood enhancing chemicals. But in the long term, not even that, you know, like an hour even, you know, you can feel the sugar crash, for example. So it's just being aware. Absolutely. That awareness is so important. And number four is repair. Now, how do we repair this all important gut? So you and what we mean by repair is we want to help the lining of the GI tract repair itself by supplying key nutrients that can often be in short supply in a compromised gut, such as zinc, antioxidants, vitamins A, C and E, fish oil and the amino acid glutamine. So this is what we want to repair. And often this this 5R framework for gut restoration is something that I do before I do anything like an elimination diet or or make further um, recommendations in terms of our eating behaviors is I really wanna look and see you know, what we need to repair. And once we've got some repairing and some restoration work done, then kind of layer and go on from there. So what are your thoughts about repair with those supplements that I mentioned? Yeah. And I think things like glutamine, for example, I would want to have a a discussion and not just say, oh, Dr. Carroll said glutamine on the morning show. Now I'm just going to start glutamine. However, there's many, and again, food is medicine, you know, so if you look at what foods contain zinc, for example, or what foods, um, and even, and the other thing I was thinking about as you've been speaking, Carol, is um, diversity in our foods. Um, I tend to kind of get in a rut. And of course, I realize that this is a privilege. You know, I have the privilege of being able to shop at various places, even if it means driving a distance. And so I'm going to acknowledge that. Um, And the other thing I think we've, uh, so I think putting healthy foods in, and many times we know what we need. Like Carol said, she may not necessarily do these, um, you know, gut tests, for example. But if I even just talk to people and um, patients and otherwise and say, or even talk to myself and listen to myself, like, what do you think might be helpful? Many times people will say, you know what, I'm eating too much sugar. Or I'm eating too much chip, too many chips, or I'm eating too much whatever. So I think even reeling it back a bit to the very first part of just, listening to yourselves and your own wisdom and then adding in the wisdom of others. That's kind of the bigger picture feel that I wanted to um, convey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and, and again, you know, it's just central to our overall health and to be thoughtful, to educate yourself, to, you know, have part of your healing round table, be people who are knowledgeable in these areas. And then you also mentioned that word diversity. Diversity is necessary to life. Internal diversity, external diversity, and all things. And we're going to bring that into our community as medicine discussion, but diversity, 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 if you want to know, you know, how to optimize health and well-being. And, you know, and learning what we can do about the diversity of thought, diversity of food, diversity of people we associate with. It's key. It's key. And number five, finally, we're going to wrap it up here 
with rebalance. It's important to pay attention to lifestyle choices. Sleep. <laughs> Dr. Kathy, <laughs> love to talk about sleep. And when we travel together, we, you know, we're we're just great because we both like to turn in early, at least get in those pajamas and get comfy, so that when that first wave of tiredness uh, comes over, we can respect that and let go of the day. And it's 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 really been beautiful to have Dr. Kathy as my roommate on the road because we're pretty close. <laughs> When we could travel together. Yes, looking forward to that day again. Well, we're both vaccinated, so anyway, sleep, exercise, and stress can all affect the GI tract. Balancing those activities is important to an optimal digestive tract. And do you know, so people know movement is my medicine. Exercise is an absolutely critical component, and it doesn't have to be calisthenic exercise. It can be something from mindful movement, like restorative yoga, like Tai Chi or Qigong. This is, com- this is absolutely essential to resetting the digestive tract. So, and I know Dr. Kathy has a lot to say about sleep. So what do you, what do you yeah. feel about this rebalance of step number five in the five-hour framework for gut restoration? Yeah, so the, uh, I'll piggyback on the movement piece. Um, uh-huh. and- oh, no, you did, we just lost you for a moment. You're back. Really? Wow, I even like put in my ethernet and all that. So at any rate, you never know, right, in technology. Right. Um, the movement piece, I think, is so important uh, for a whole lot of reasons. And I know that if I can get out and take a walk, my life is so much better. And it actually uh, helps with that elimination step that Carol mentioned. You know, if we're more active, we're going to eliminate. Remember, we didn't really even talk about, you know, other than saying food comes in, but food's got to leave too. So if we're not eliminating, and I'll just leave it there, you know what I'm talking about, you know, and exercise helps with that. Um, and then as far as sleep, sleep is the time when we restore. So literally, there's little glial cells in our brain that clear out the extra proteins that, of degrad- that are degraded proteins that we don't need, that it's thought that can contribute to things like dementia. And dementia runs in my family. That's one thing I do not want. So it is critical for us to get enough sleep, enough quality sleep enough time away from screens and um so yeah i could say a lot more but that but just to really piggyback on how important it is to sleep absolutely and so marion more and more when i read the labels i just put it back i <laughs> wish i had that wisdom when i was much younger yeah marianne i feel like many of us do you know wish we had that that wisdom because you just look at it and you say, what have I been eating all these years? You know, common things, common things. You know, like I think about all that Captain Crunch cereal and then them different multicolored marshmallows. There's some diversity. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. So, you know, it's the rainbow, but it's the wrong rainbow. Because you've heard that, you know, eat a rainbow. We're talking about make that a rainbow of your fruits and vegetables, not your jelly beans and your multicolored marshmallows. So yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. 
So, Dr. Kathy, I think it's time for us to go ahead and begin to switch over. <laughs> yes, Captain Crunch, Marianne. Let's go ahead. Or, oh, Fruit Loops. That's another one, right? All those great colors. Yes, multicolored dyed weed. Yes, <laughs> with lots of sugar in it, like 80 to 90% sugar. Oh, yes, all of the above. We haven't talked about soda yet. Oh, no, we haven't talked about, but, you know, that's, you know, so again, one of the biggest culprits, the foundation, however you're eating, paleo, vegan, Mediterranean, eliminate the sugars and look for the hidden sugars, eliminate the sugars. So we're going to um, switch over to community as medicine. So this concept of community as medicine. And of course, this is so important within the context of our global pandemic, right? So there are there are 12 points that I, I want to share with you and also get you thinking about within the context of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, you know, why is this important? Why is this important? You know, so doc, Dr. Kathy and I, for example, we're continuing to study this and we're actually in a course together. So we are expanding our knowledge base and I'm just looking here. So our course that starts tomorrow, Unpacking Racism for Healthcare uh, Professionals, that is uh, starting uh, tomorrow. And it is, my goodness, if, if this Derek Chauvin murder trial the, that resulted in the murder of George Floyd is is not, you know, that was the litmus point. It was a year ago, but already, you know, we see people kind of fade away, people kind of retreat. It's a difficult subject. But a couple of things that I wanted to remind us of, because, you know, we're all responsible for this. And we all are, are going to be, our generation is going to be remembered for a lot of things. And I hope that we can be remembered for being a part of the solution. We have seen unprecedented levels of disease, violence, and hatred. The, my goodness, the near destruction of our economy. So climate change, can we and will we be remembered for being a part of the solution, not just the lemmings that went over the edge of the cliff. So one, uh, so here's a couple of reasons why you might want to consider focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and what this focus creates. This is something for everybody, not just people who live in a white body, not just people who live in a black body, yellow body, or red body, but something that has to do with our consciousness as a community and how we have well and healthy communities. So focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and this is from the University of Southern Florida and their uh, certificate program on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So one, it gives us a competitive advantage. And I would like to say com competitive advantage for survival as a species. That's number one. Number two, increased innovation. Number three, drives employee retention and increased job satisfaction. 
Number four, promotes business growth and development. Number five, increases revenue, increases revenue. So for every uh, a dollar that's spent on with diverse owned suppliers, it actually has a two, oh, so, and this is based on $1 million, it actually has a $2.1 million economic impact in the community. So, Dr. Kathy, what are your thoughts on focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and what this could potentially create in our communities? It's interesting that, um, you know, that data that was shared this week on, in that course was, was actually astounding to me. And um, I think that, that speaking the language of economics uh, will be helpful. In a way, it reminds me of, you know, mind-body medicine, where there's many things that we know are a good thing, like breathing, uh, but people don't listen to us unless we can show research that, as I say, apparently we need research that is good to breathe. Um, for example, but I think it's I think it's helpful because there's a lot of uh, minds that work in that way. You know, show me the data, and here we're actually showing the money. And it just it's it's hard for me sometimes to understand because it just seems like it should be the right thing to do. Uh, but apparently, we also need data that shows that it's the right thing to do. And I think it's really phenomenal. And I see that, like you mentioned, retention, for example. You know, so of course I live in a white body, and so my world experience is so much different than uh, than other folks who do not live in a white body. And as I've seen people perhaps leave organizations that I've been in that may not look like me, I've often wondered, you know, is it is there some way that they could have felt more included, had their voice heard? And how can I? I'm always looking out. How can I not be? Because I've certainly been guilty of being the person that perhaps shrinks shrinks away and just mm -hmm. amplify that voice. I'm um, like, you know, um, you know, especially on Zoom, by the way, you know, Zoom can be, it can be really, it can be really easy to be a person in the square or in the corner that does not have their voice heard or does not have their hand get raised, for example. So I think just the awareness and then how can we do better is really where I'm trying to live my life. Well, you know, one of the things that we're, we're seeing in this course is recommended. So if you are in a position and you're in a Zoom room or you're in an actual meeting, look around at the people in the room that might be being othered, whether it be othered by race, othered by uh, sexual orientation or othered by gender and make sure those voices are being included. You can always say, you know what? You know, Kathy, we haven't heard from you. Um, I just want to make sure that if you have a thought, a comment, or a question, that you have a chance to to be heard, to be recognized, and and be the one that you know is is you know really taking the temperature of the room, scanning the room, and making sure that everybody has an opportunity. So sometimes just the invitation to speak will encourage a, a person uh, to share. Right. So, you know, this is something that is important. So some other successful strategies that are recommended, collaborate, look at governance, look at governance. How are things going in the organization? Um, actively so, uh, so and and is diversity, inclusion and equity actively supported by senior leaders? 
If not, why not? Can you speak to them one-on-one, have a meeting, you know, think about what's going on and, you know, just don't accept it. Can you appoint executive level champions? Dr. Kathy, did you have something you wanted to say? And it fits in both of those topics. You know, we've talked about, and I'm sure many of you have seen in, in organizations, not only where you work, but organizations that you belong to, that people have um, issued their statement, that organizations have issued their statements on their diversity, equity, inclusion, or justice, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, and is it just a statement? You know, that's what I'm looking for. Is it just a statement or are they are is that statement really being backed up by action? What is that action? Right, exactly. You want to be able to art- articulate the objectives when you are setting up your diversity, equity, and inclusion statements and activities. And then you also want to be able to go beyond the mission statement, as Dr. Kathy is saying. And, you know, this is all a part of that, that first R to when we look at being able to restore our, our gut health, because guess what? This is, you know, these toxic thoughts and behaviors that run rampant in our culture, the racisms, the hatred, the violence, you know, the first R is to remove and they need to be removed for both individual health, individual health and for community health. So I would like to share with you, and again, you can see, you know, lots of lots of research going on here, lots of thought, lots of development, because, you know, my question is, how do I place this and how do I help people place this as an essential component in their health and in the global consciousness of humanity, recognizing that you know, the weak link, we're only going to be as strong as the weak link. We're only going to solve this in a collective environment where we all participate, where we all get to contribute. So, you know, as you're pondering and thinking right now, you're contributing to the energetic imprint of what's going on around the globe. Think about the beating of a single butterfly. Well, when all the butterflies migrate, those little thin, delicate wings, the weather patterns around the world change. All right. So, so here are, this is from bringing purpose to community engagement, a framework for reconceiving healthcare's relationship with communities. Think about your inner terrain. Think about the outer terrain. There are 12 principles. And even though this is, I'm going to present it as a list, the principles are really a web of interrelated ideas, each needing to be considered in constant context of the others. So we have number one, include in a community collective effort those who live there, those who work there, and those who deliver or support services Provide it there. Two, spend time understanding differences in context, goals, and power. I think this is very, very important. Three, appreciate the arc of local history as part of the story of a place. What is the history where you are going all the way back? I'm here in the land of the Lanai Lenape. I live down the street from what was a Native American burial ground that was not respected. 
you know, so developments, apartments up there, you know, not acknowledge that this was sacred ground. So, you know, downstream of this, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, what is still the energetic imprint from that disrespect? But that's part of the local history of Red Bank. The town was named by the Lenai Lenape because the dirt on the banks of the river is red. And number four, elicit value and respond to what matters to community residents. Dr. Kathy, your thoughts. Those are just the first four. Yeah, that's all so rich. And, you know, certainly as I've been invited into Native American communities, um, more and more, I just, you know, learn how that historical trauma of what we've, uh, what we, people that look like me, have done to the Native American communities. And I'm always learning. And that is one thing I do want to say right here. Uh, I may, my next word or my word right now may not be right. And, and, and so please accept my apologies um, for that. I think the land that we live on, and I live on Ojibwe land, um, and my family was raised, my father was a farmer on Dakota land, and I give great honor to the, both of those. Um, I think it does come back. I mean, there's so much that we say about the land, right? And what we're doing to the land. And even to bring in our earlier conversation about, you know, what we eat, you know, we used to many years ago have to eat seasonally, not have to, got to eat seasonally. And so part of that diversity of what we ate was actually, okay, it's fall and I will have a pumpkin or I have, you know, I have what we could grow in that season as opposed to bring things in. Um Community engagement is so important. Um, I know that I was honored to be in a um, sort of a brainstorming session last week with a, many different communities in Minneapolis. And, um, and just to hear the diverse nature of uh, that community in particular. And it was very, um, it was just, I don't know what to say eye-opening, I guess, and I knew, you know, a lot of, in fact, you know, many of them are CMDM you know, folks, you know, like Imam, you know, Sharif Mohammed, for example, who's certified with us, and Linda Eagle speaker, and, you know, folks that either came by, to this country by choice or not by choice, and, you know, what I always say is that trauma that happens in community has to heal in community, and I do think that this time of COVID in which we are have really been promoting isolation as a life-saving measure has been difficult for us. So I've sort of been all over the board in my response to what you said, Carol, and I apologize for that, but a lot of different thoughts are big pinging in my brain. Uh, well, thank you so much for those thoughts. So we have some comments. Even when you go to large health conferences and look around, the attendees are 99.99% white. It's not just the large corporation. I'm always shocked, but many do not even see this, sadly. That is true. And there are a lot of reasons for this. Oftentimes, if you're a person who's living in a body that has been othered, not only in your lifetime, but historically, you don't feel welcome in those spaces. You just don't feel welcome. And you like, you know, why am I going to subject myself to this? Four, four, five, six days or three days or even, you know, three hours. So, you know, being able to help people feel welcomed in spaces is part of the work that we need to do throughout our organizations and throughout communities. 
Um, you know, it's interesting. There are, are blocks in my own hometown that I've never walked down, you know, and that black people have never lived. And not because I couldn't walk down them today, but I've been acculturated not to be there, not to be on that street. And, you know, so lately I've, I've made myself take different driving routes, you know, just to go down the street that's five minutes from my house, but it's just been, you know, intergenerationally. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of invisible to me. It doesn't even occur uh, that I would want to go that way. But, I, you know, I've been looking, I've been exploring, I've been purposely discovering. So Linda's asking, are there any programs to educate children on nutrition, diversity, and how to handle stress? So the answer is yes. I do a program. Um, on that, I'm going to be doing it with the incoming freshmen at Red Bank Regional, my high school, your high school, Linda, uh, this summer. And also, that's what my book is about, right? Meditation in the Time of Madness. I wrote the book and I wrote it at such a level so it could get out in the community and people could start looking at these uh, skills of resilience as well as self-regulation at a very early age. And, and Dr. Kathy has worked with a teen population. She's got some funny stories about that. But Dr. Kathy, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I agree. And I think um, certainly all the programs that we do at the Center for Mind, Body, Medicine, whether it's being invited to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, where we were able to, um, with the local leaders, bring mind-body skills, including nutrition within the confines of what's available um, to seven tribal schools or the work um, being done in um, Broward County. Uh, and each of these programs is, you know, what can we do? And so it's handling stress. It's mindful eating. You know, you're mindful eating even eat even bad food, bad food, so to speak. I don't like to do the good, bad thing. Um, so the, I, I would say the Center for Mind-Body Medicine's um, Training programs really give a great foundation for that. And of course, we both can uh, share information about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, Marianne, you know, well, there was a distinction between the east and west side of Red Bank. Absolutely true. That's still, you know, playing itself out to this day. So here's and here again, if you want to register for the Unpacking Racism webinar here, you could do it. It will also, you also get CME, CEUs. We're, we're proud of that fact that it's got that, you know, academic stamp of approval. And we need you. We need you and your voice to be in that course. And you can register for two for one. So I'm looking at the time. We're not going to get through all 12 of these, but I would like to go through maybe just three more to leave us with some food for thought as community as medicine and why diversity, equity, and inclusion is so important. Dr. Kathy and I are not going to stop talking about it because after this course is over, we're then getting ready to present at an international conference, the Integrative Health Symposium. Um, oh no, we have American Academy Family Practice Conference, which we're present. So we've got two big international conferences that we're getting ready to present at after this course is over. So, you know, lots of opportunities and this dialogue and our learning is going to continue. So number five, facilitate and support the sharing of power 
including building the capacity to use it and acknowledging existing imbalances. Number six, operate at four levels at the same time. And this reminds you of what we talk about when we're facilitating groups. So you want to operate at four levels at the same time, the individual level, the community level, the institutional level, and the policy level. So for me, you know, the individual self-care right here, what's going on in my head. Number two, the community, and, and that includes family and friends, and then the circle beyond that. What's happening where you live? What's happening on your block? Why does your, your block only have certain kind of people on it? Very, very few truly integrated blocks or neighborhoods. And then institutional levels. You know, when you go to conferences, where you go to school, where you go to church, Sunday morning at 11, the most segregated hour in America. What's that about? And then finally, you know, at the policy level, we have to take it to the policy level. We have to take it to our local governments, our state governments, and our national government. Lots of food. Lots of food for that. Yeah, and lots of places where you can opt in as an ally or an accomplice, right? Where you can you you can, you know, go to a meeting and say, Hey, wait a minute, I don't see representation in this room, and yet I know we have, you know, these, these and these kind of people live in this community. Why aren't they represented? So if you go to a town, a city meeting, for example, a town hall meeting. Point that out. Be the one to point it out. Otherwise, it just kind of goes on. That's the way it is, right? And the way it is has not served us well when you look at how the global community has been impacted by disease. The disease of this pandemic is case in point. So Raphael is saying, you're awesome. Okay, let's see. Yet... Um, so we are definitely, um, uh, can you please put the list up in the comments? Um, are you talking about the, the about list of 12? Okay. The list of 12. Yeah, too much to get in there, but it's probably too much to get in there, but guess what? We'll be prepared. So the next time we come back on, I'll have that list in the banner. All right. So that can go there. So it was like, um, integrate health symposium two, three years ago that had a very limited, had very limited non-white folks. Great that you ladies are speaking. Yeah. I was one of those speakers, <laughs> one of the few non-white speakers <laughs> two or three years ago. I actually asked a gal sitting next to me if she observed that she flatly said no and didn't see a problem. She was from Texas and this was not in her vision. So yeah, it's really fascinating, Sharon, because I did speak at Integrative Health Symposium a few years ago. And I did, I felt, I didn't feel unwelcome in the space per se, but I felt very alone. And I, I just, I, I just, you know, noted that. And there was a part of me that was actually, you know, and I spent the night and there was actually a part of me that was, was glad when I left because it was like, oh my goodness, you know, where, where, where is the diversity in the integrative health space? And this is a international conference. So again, lots of uh, food for thought. And I will make sure that Dr. Kathy and I have this list 
post it next time. So Victoria, who's always so insightful, I'll let me, I'll bring myself up above here. So I'm not hiding. Uh, for me, it's, it is expected that I will not be seen. So I make sure I make myself seen and heard by how I carry myself and address things in a calm, but very assertive way. This has also been very effective. As my energy says, dare question my knowledge. You will get answers that will blow your mind and make you change your stereotypical perspective. I don't have to be angry to be seen and heard. Yes. Beautifully. Well said. Well said. Well said, Victoria. And this is, you know, again, and this is a skill set, right? And this is something that has to be cultivated. You don't have to be, and this was something else that was brought up in our course about the stereotype of the angry black woman. So that, you know, a black woman is assertive. If she stands her ground, she's often viewed as angry, which is a stereotype that we have to um, shift. So there's an invitation. Of the course, um, I, I believe that we have a discount code, code to share as well. Yes, we do. Our discount code is MND, like Mad No Dog, MND. So you go to check out, there is a discount code there. And again, it's two for one. So that will bring the course down to $300. And if two people come and you split the cost, that's $150. So again, money worth, well worth it. I'm hoping that you will support Dr. Kathy and I so you can really learn these things and learn how to be effective in your own life, in your own community. And remember, it's the number one in the five R's of gut restoration, which is to remove, remove toxins in mind, body, and spirit from yourself and your environment. So we've got a couple of new comments down here. Uh, there, there we go. So thank you, DM. Thank you. So my wonderful husband and partner in crime, accomplice, ally, you name it, any which way is there we go, reminding us. So, you know, it's really, you know, quite, uh, quite a bargain. Um, so Sharon says, I felt that so much was being left out, all the knowledge that could have been tapped. Absolutely. So yes, it, it is something when we don't, have diversity, we're missing a big part of the brain trust. This knowledge coming directly from people with lived experience will help help you with resilience, will help you with um, self-regulation. So for example, if you take some kids that have lived in a, a rougher neighborhood, isn't that knowledge useful to some kids who have only grown up in the kind of a one kind of a neighborhood and they've grown up sheltered and protected with, you know, helicopter parents that have spoon fed them, yet they have no common sense. They have no idea how to uh, walk down the street in awareness. But you take a child that has grown up in a food desert. You take a child that has grown up in a redlined neighborhood where they don't have access to resources. You better believe that person has some information that would be helpful to you, that would be helpful to other children for how to walk in the world unafraid, even in the face of threat. And that's what we're missing when we disallow diversity in all areas of our life. 
Hello and welcome, Mona. Thank you for tuning in. Yes, thank you, Donna. So we're going to get ready to get out of here. It's nine o'clock. Dr. Kathy, do you have the last word? I'm going to let you have the last word here. I don't think I can top the words you just said, Carol. I just, uh, it's an, as always, it's an honor to be with you. It's an honor to continue to explore this space. If you have someone that you think would, would benefit from our course, it should know about our course, please send them that information, including the discount code, because we really would like to spend six weeks in a row with you learning together about how we can be uh, better citizens, better global citizens. And, you know, sometimes, and I do recognize, so perhaps if you're a white-bodied individual and you just want to have a conversation offline with another white-bodied person, you know, we, we do need affinity. There's Dr. You can reach out directly to Dr. Kathy. <laughs> you know, if you're a person who's living in an othered body, sometimes just being othered as a woman, reach out to either one of us. If you're a person who's living in a black or a brown body, and again, you feel othered because of that, and you just want to have the offline conversation with me, reach out to me. You know how to get in, in touch with me, all kinds of ways to get in touch with me here. So email, website, phone number, social media, you know, we're, we really are here for you. We really are here for you. Dr. Kathy and I are not going anywhere. At least, you know, I don't know. We've, we, we've really been, been blessed that now this journey, we're about to pass our one year anniversary on this. And, you know, the next two, this course and the next two conferences are going to put us, you know, close to that 18 month mark um, in holding this conversation and being the change that we want to see in the world. All right. So is it, you know, powerful words. You guys are amazing. Thank you. And you all are amazing. Thank you. We will see you during the week. Hopefully we'll see all of you in the course. And I'll be back live tomorrow morning with Meditation in a Time of Madness, the morning show with Taking Measure of Monday. See, and next week, this, our superstar guest is Dr. Jarrett Patton, one of the preeminent pediatricians, a male pediatrician, author, speaker, businessman. You're going to want to meet Dr. Jarrett next Sunday. Thank you, Dr. Kathy, as always. Thank you so much. I'm going to end the broadcast and then we'll meet back in the green room.